downtown southern maryland it's time for gears of resistance episode 84 and i'm going to explain that all right so let's go ahead and get started um so in the last little quick little update i said killing steam power podcast and focusing on gears of resistance and that's true and uh but i'm not starting from complete scratch because frankly i'm lazy so I'm going to use the same RSS feeds and all that and get everything adjusted as much as I can. Um, but we're going to start, keep counting off of, I believe that was the Steam Power podcast episode number. So we're going to just uh, live with that system and hopefully that makes sense. Um, it is what it is. We're going to also do some more blogging on Gears of Resistance on projects, kind of project-based and some tech blogs. So... Uh, this is still a work in progress. There is lots of changes still coming, um, but it's going to be in one slot. So we're going to do we're going to do writing. We're going to do text, write blogs. Uh, obviously, that's what text is. That's what blogs are. Um, and I, I swear I'm not drinking a beer while I'm doing this. I really, I really am not. I wish I did. I wish I had some, but I don't have any. But that's the whole point of doing the the podcast is so that I can drink beer and talk. In a nutshell. Um, and then we're going to do uh, videos for projects. So demonstrating projects, we'll do YouTube and Twitch. And then uh, um, we'll do, again, the blogging for writing the audio on the podcast. And then videos. So um, that is the plan. So the podcast is going to be kind of like the news stuff. The videos will be the how-tos, and then uh, the writing will be kind of like a mixture of both um, for now. Anyway, I went to get back in the saddle. It's almost May of 2018. I think the last time I did anything of subs substance uh, was like July of last year. So uh, obviously a lot has changed in that preceding almost 10 months, I guess, almost a year. Um, but we're here and we're not going away. So with that, let's go ahead and get into some news. Um, we're not quite doing, I know I said we're going to try to do steamy news, but I'm, I'm going to focus more on stuff that's going to interest the DIY maker kind of news stuff. That's open about open source hardware, open source, open source software, um, internet of things, cybersecurity, um, and then we'll throw in every now and then if I find something, cause you know, I'm addicted to space news. If I find anything cool about space, like I think there was an article, they perfected a holographic, um, uh, solar sail or the technology that would be behind a holographic solar sail so that you would shoot a laser from earth and power this thing to like 20% of the speed of light. I thought that was pretty cool. I'm not going to talk about that today, but that's the kind of stuff I could talk about with that. Let's jump right in. 
Um, boom, boom, boom. If my mouse wants to work. First story, an elaborate hack shows how much damage IoT bugs can do. This is from Wired. Uh, it's a really good rundown on a particular um, vulnerability. Uh, again, a lot of this stuff is kind of, I want to say academic, but because um, there certainly are real-world vulnerabilities. But uh, basically, this goes into a really, really um, um, deep look on how the internet, the coming, the forthcoming, the still coming, the always coming internet of things, um, how a lot of devices are being are crowded into uh, uh, botnets. And then, uh, you know, bad guys can throw out things like, um, you know, either they can hold, hold it for ransom you know, turn your HVAC on. We'll turn your HVAC on uh, when you pay us 50 bucks um, or use it to leapfrog, you know, again, launch botnets and to do other more uh, traditional nefarious uh, bad things on the Internet. But um, certainly the, the Internet of Things, there's a lot of issues where uh, the stuff isn't just it, it's kind of like the Internet in general. 20 years ago where things aren't being built with security in mind. It's just, it, it you know, these things have to be, you know, so cheap uh, because people don't want to pay $75 for a uh, light switch or a wall out that they control with their phone because nobody, that's not, there's no value at that price point. But when you start getting down to things like 5 10 15 bucks. Then there's value there, but the problem is, what do you sacrifice to get to that price point? And uh, the other issue is that a lot of this stuff is running, you know, proprietary software. There is no real standards. Everything, every IoT device is its own black box, which is, you know, you can kind of you can get the other the consumer facing impact of that is, you know, sometimes this light will work with Android, but it won't work with iPhone. Uh, this thing only works, you know. Um, with uh, this version of iOS, uh, which again creates a lot of angst for consumers, but I do believe that uh, that is slowly eroding. People are kind of really getting used to the idea of controlling their lights, looking at their uh, security cameras, and uh, the better ones are sort of secure. The worst ones are not secure at all. Um, anyway, uh, this is a really good read. I wanted to throw it out there and, um, yeah, anyway, next from Lifehacker, you can now repair your own electronics without voiding the warranty. That's right. The federal trade commission says sent out a warning to six major companies that sell cars, phones, gaming consoles, informing them that it's illegal to avoid warranties when a consumer tries to repair their own items. I think, uh, you know, there was the whole Digital Millennium Copyright Act and that kind of, uh, a couple years ago, they kind of started letting people, I think it was like with cars, if I recall correctly, um, you know, people being able to tinker on their own stuff, just like we have always been able to do. And uh, just because everything is now, quote unquote, a black box, uh, it's a lot more complicated, doesn't mean that we don't have the right to uh, stay tinker with our stuff and um uh, now it is i mean it is interesting right so you know if you do open your console and, and mess around with it 
and you break something, um, you know, if you're a big company, you might be able to, if you're like, you know, a Microsoft or Sony, you might be able to eat that cost. But if you're a smaller manufacturer that's just trying to get by with, uh, you know, again, uh, you're making, you know, you're a up startup trying to do some whiz bang Internet of Things device. Uh, can you really afford to have everyone, um, you know, take apart your device and, and send it back? Now, I guess you could argue then that means you should make these devices uh, hackable so that it's not uh, potentially damaging or give people, you know, some sort of diagnostic port or some sort of access uh, into the into the software, uh, the firmware, the operating system so that there isn't a likelihood of of. Uh, doing irreparable harm uh, that you can, again, tinker and, and fix your own device. So that's cool. I think it's good. I think it'll force groups to, uh, companies to to consider uh, maintainability and repairability as part of their design and not just making things look sexy. And you know who I'm looking at there, what company. Uh, actually, everyone's going that way, so it's really everyone's uh, issue. But anyway... Uh, at least for now, uh, looks like the FTC has said that um, you can uh, tinker away. So tinker on. There's a lot more details in the in the uh, the story, but I just again, my goal here is not to necessarily be uh, the expert. It's simply to highlight things, and then you go out and do your own research and make your own decisions. All right, so talking about hacking and bad things, uh, here's another one from Wired. Ultrasonic signals are the wild west of wireless tech. I remember seeing a YouTube video here. I think it was a DEF CON uh, talk um, or Black Hat, one of the two, um, where basically using the speaker and the microphone on two computers, the guy was able to hack. Um, or not, he was able to send a file. Obviously, if you can send anything from one computer to the other, you can send, you know, he initiated a file transfer. You could do other things like if you can get access to uh, the command line or whatever. So anyway, um, you know, it's one of those, this was one of those cool stories I like because, you know, everyone, we're, we're so focused on Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and um, all these other standards on the RF stuff that, um, you know, Sometimes, again, the bad guy only looks for the easiest way in, and uh, if they can use ultrasonic, and the reason ultrasonic, right, is because uh, you we we can't hear ultrasonic, so it's it's beyond the frequencies which the human ear can hear, but the electronics can hear. So, and then again, you're just using the the onboard keyboard, or excuse me, microphone and, and speaker that you it's already built in. So that's that's the reason why. Uh, Otherwise, if it was in the if it was an audible uh, frequency, you would hear and you'd be like, "Why the hell is my computer making all that weird noise?" Um, so ultrasonic is to make it undetectable. Uh, another again, great story, and we will share it in the, all these all these shows. We'll have links in the show notes. All right. So one thing I did manage to grab this week, and I have put it together, but I haven't got the uh, haven't got it up and running yet, because because reasons. Um, so, uh, I believe last year, Google announced their AIY kits. So, uh, artificial intelligence yourself, AI yourself, kind of like a play on do-it-yourself, DIY, AIY, AI yourself. 
Uh, they list, they launched uh, two products. One was a um, kind of like the, the Google Home or an Alexa um, voice-based um, device that you could, again, you put it together yourself. You get it. It's all based on the Raspberry Pi. Uh, the... the um, this, the new versions have the most the the, the uh, most up to date Pi Zero with it, um, and then there's also the uh, Vision Kit, which has a camera and lets you do uh, cool things like you know detect uh, objects visually. Um, anyway, they just refreshed both of those products with the latest again Raspberry Pi, and they are now for sale. Believe it or not, you can go into your local Target and pick them up. Um, I think it's like 50 bucks and 90 bucks for the two, 50 bucks for the voice kit, 90 bucks for the, uh, the vision kit. And it's, it's, it's a, it is what it is. It's a DIY kit. It, all the components come together in a nice little cardboard box. And it has a little cardboard case that you assemble, slide the electronics in. Uh, the only thing I'd recall it does not come with is a wall wart to power it up. So you have to have, um, a micro USB, uh, I think, think i would i think like the raspberry pi zeros you probably want at least something that can do at least probably one amp maybe one and a half amps um you know they are little computers so um that's the only thing i think that does not come in the box it does come with the usb cable uh so if you have at least a uh um a wall wart that can do uh the one point the five volt one amp we should be okay might be one and a half amp too i'm not sure but more juice the better uh but basically this whole thing is it, it, it's artificial intelligence it's a new it's a there's the standard um raspberry pi but then you plug in a i don't know if they want to call it in arduino they call it shields there's a daughter board that that clips one there they're calling it the the uh i think they say that the bonnet that's what they're calling it. The vision. I got the vision model. So there's a vision bonnet. But basically, you get access for less than 90 bucks. You're getting um, hardware that lets you play with neural networks and lets you learn how to do kind of machine learning um, for, again, almost next to nothing. It's this kit, I believe, is they. Um, the first kits, I think you still had to like buy stuff externally. So like they just gave you the customs, the the stuff they had made. This time, the kit includes literally everything again, minus the um, the wall wart, which I'm assuming is they assume that probably everybody who's ever bought anything electronic in the last five years probably has a few um, five volt one amp wall warts lying around somewhere. So the little DC power supplies. Anyway. I'm going to play with it. I like that I've put it together. It was pretty slick and um, curious about learning. If you're into learning things like, again, machine learning, computer vision, neural networks, artificial intelligence, and you don't have the budget of NASA, well, here you go. Uh, again, it's uh, available uh, from Target both online and uh, in-store. And the other cool thing that I think that dropped also this week is from Nintendo is what they're calling Labo, which I'm assuming is kind of short for laboratory. 
but it's another cardboard bay. It is so cool how high tech toys have we've kind of like this full circle thing. It's all made out of cardboard. Um, so basically, you have to have a Nintendo Switch, and you get a um, basically a bunch of cardboard that you put together and a uh, little game, I guess, a cartridge for lack of a better term. But on those on the cartridge, you have these, these pieces of cardboard you fold into different things. So there's one thing that's like a, a fishing rod. There's a little robot that um, vibr- that uses the uh, the Joy-Con controllers to vibrate. It makes the robot move around. Um, but basically, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a good way to take kids' interest in electronics, so their, their video games. Um, and if you're not too afraid of letting you know them play around with some... Uh, you know, markers and tape and glue and putting together um, some uh, pieces of cardboard. And uh, then they have basically kind of like physical games that run or are powered by their video games, the electronics. So it's pretty cool. It's, uh, I know, I think it just, yeah, release date April 20th in the U.S., 27th. And if I recall correctly, when I was in Target the other day, uh, I want to say $70, $60, $70. So, um, you know, not inexpensive for it being a lot of cardboard and, of course, you know, the software of the, of the cartridge. But the, the potential, um, you know, to develop a hands-on learning interest uh, more than just sitting there button mashing, it might be a cool investment for a birthday or holiday. So check that out. Nintendo Labo. I'm assuming Labo. Um, anyway, moving on. So we talked about... Um, oh, we didn't talk about that, did we yet? Uh, or am I even going to talk about that? Yeah, here we go. So Intel is to shutter its new devices group. Uh, it was a team that had done some of the augmented reality smart glasses. I think we did one where we talked about like the uh, hard hat that had an augmented reality goggle on it. Uh, apparently, though, it just wasn't meant to be. So Intel is shutting down that group. Um, they're down to, I think, about 800 employees, it said. But uh, for a while there, they, they apparently they spent a lot of money looking into it. And it's one of those things where maybe it's it's just the timing's not right. Um, and the, this group, you know, again, they, they kind of did focus a lot on wearables. And my opinion is wearables, it's battery sucks. P- battery life is what's killing a lot of this stuff, is that people don't like to have to recharge everything every day. And, uh, you know, wireless headphones, your Bluetooth earpieces, your smartwatches, um, most of them that have any functionality that's significant enough to warrant people's interests, usually you have to recharge a lot. That's my, that is my gut. I think if you could go like a month without having to recharge something or maybe a week without having to recharge something, um, I think people would be more apt to buy in. Uh, but and then smart glasses it's again it's it's still early days so i'm you know i'm assuming what's going to happen is that this group because they were spending so much money they were hoping to get to market with stuff and they're probably going to take you know they're probably not going to stop this work it's going to be that it's going to be more of a 
you know, a skunk work kind of project. They're going to go back into doing more research and not um, looking to land a, a quick and easy turnaround on a product. Because um, at the end of the day, battery tech will get solved. Things will, you know, supercapacitors or whatever. And uh, then I think uh, batteries, when batteries aren't, aren't an issue, uh, I think wearables will, will, that's just my completely layman's not researched opinion it's just what i think in dealing when when talking with people that aren't necessarily in the tech world who uh when you look at things like smart watches and earpieces and smart glasses uh obviously glasses that there's also the concern with privacy as google found with google glass uh not so much with the snapchat spectacles which is, I think there's another interesting, I think they're launching a second generation of those, even though they didn't do well. And actually Google Glass launched, um, relaunched two or kind of more, but they're kind of focusing now on the, uh, the industrial and medical community and not looking for a, a mass consumer product. Um, anyway, so sorry to Intel. It was fun while it lasted. But as we talk about batteries, there is some research being done. This is from Next Big Future. A group of Japanese researchers have developed a super thin organic cell, solar cell that can be heat printed onto clothes, just like a t-shirt design. So in other words, what they're saying is wearable solar powered clothing is coming in early 2020. And um, while I'm assuming that this stuff is not a very efficient right now uh the kind of the idea of um what says here a high power conversion efficiency of 10 percent total thickness of the three microns so i don't know um the idea though that you know for wearables something that can be just iron again technology in the lab is one thing technology at, at in, in a mass-produced um easy you know easy to maintain you know people are going to really hate to put their solar cell powered shirt in the wash and then it doesn't work um but this is the kind of stuff this is the idea of, of energy harvesting uh, where you 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 scrape off enough um joules of energy to power your devices without having to plug something into a wall any of that research I think is going to be valuable in the long run, uh, not just for whiz bang gadgets here, but you know, I'm thinking the, the application, you put this into spacesuits and, and whatnot. And, um, anyway, it's cool. It looks pretty gnarly. And, um, I, I personally would definitely wear something. I would wear a solar powered shirt. Not sure if I'd wear solar powered underwear yet, but we'll go with the shirt to start. Uh, research has developed a 3D printer that can make complete electronic devices or more likely what it is it's like um, I think they've they're, it is a, a 3D printer but I think it's multiple machines it's like a it is a traditional um, fused filament fabrication printer it's also a pick and place machine and uh, a um Kind of like there was it Volta, 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 
was a circuit board making device that was on Kickstarter that uses like a syringe uh, for pumping out um, conductive paste. Uh, so it looks like basically this group at, I believe it's the Hamburg University in Germany. Let's check. University of Hamburg. Uh, yeah, so basically it's uh, a 3D printer, prints out the uh, basically the circuit board, uh, leaves a little channel for the conductive paste, and then uses a syringe type device to put in the conductive thread or the conductive paste, and then a pick and place machine to drop the... Uh, Looks like um, SOIC components and some uh, some pretty small, um, but not too terribly small, um, surface mount resistors and LEDs. So anyway, uh, the idea is this whole world of the physical layout and the and the the, the electronic electronics. So it used to be circuit capture, circuit schematic, uh, circuit board layout was one area of expertise then you and you're seeing this with like autodesk and their their linking of eagle cad with fusion 360 then you take the circuit board and then you you take that and you launch it into fusion to build the mechanical or the enclosure aspects around it that world is going to eventually merge into one and you're not going to just be a electrical engineer you're not going to just be a mechanical engineer uh, you're going to be a product engineer and i think people once these tools make it easy enough um, to do design or maybe you're not even an engineer. I mean, this is stuff that could probably be done. You're more of a designer. Uh, you don't necessarily need to be at a very technical level. Anyway, it's pretty cool. It's definitely the stuff that I'm interested in to help, uh, you know, any, anything, any kind of tools that just lets you spend more time thinking about the product and less time thinking about how to make it. Uh, to me is a good thing. I love learning stuff and tools, but I don't want to spend my time completely messing with 50,000 tools if I can just you know design it once and have the thing made um, in as few steps as possible is pretty cool to me. All right. We'll dear, we're um, we'll skip that one. Yeah, we're going to skip those. I'm going to throw these last two into... Uh, show notes. One was uh, how do, how open source is democratizing technology, and the other is uh, using open source designs to create more specialized chips. It's uh, that's an article based on the uh, I think it's called Risk V or Risk Five. It's Risk Reduced Instruction Set Computing, obviously um, dash V, and I'm not sure if that's V is meant to be a five or just a V. But anyway, um, NVIDIA and Western Digital um, are starting to uh, basically it's a CPU. It's a, it's an architecture that's open source that you now instead of everyone making their own silicon or like kind of like ARM where you have to deal with um, you know, licensing. The idea is here is it's it's made by a community uh, or the risk fee or risk five foundation. If someone knows, let me know. But uh, Google's on it, Tesla's on it, IBM, Samsung, Qualcomm, and now NVIDIA and Western Digital um, are actually going to actually make some real products using this open source uh, chip. So I'll throw that article in there as well. And the last thing I wanted to talk about was or is, just found this out, uh, if you have an Alexa, Amazon Alexa, uh, they just announced, uh, I think it's called Alexa Blueprints. So basically you can now make your own custom um, 
queries with Alexa. So you can say, if I ask you this question, you give me this response. And um, so obviously you can make some lewd, dirty jokes. You can make some custom answers to make you feel good about yourself. Apparently other people are writing interactive stories where uh, you can kind of do like Mad Lib kind of stuff. Um, and apparently, interestingly enough, people are also using it to um, as an intermediary for child discipline. So like when your two your, your kids are fighting and you want them to stop or say instead of mom or dad saying make up to each other, you say, Alexa, tell my kids to make up. And apparently the, this idea of a third party entity telling your kids they'll listen to that more than they'll listen to you which I think is a completely amazing that we live in this time that, you know, we can offload our parenting to technology. The article does make a quip about, um, they, I guess they talked to some experts who said that uh, while you can do that, it's not recommended. Um, I don't know. It's, you know, what's any different than hiring a nanny or someone else to, uh, to raise your kids for you. It's just, it's an electronic person, I guess. Anyway, that's the stories I wanted to hit. Uh, I do want to pivot now to some um, some cool tools that I've been playing with or testing out. Or they're all, These are all software-based tools. Uh, Let me bring them up here. Ah. If I could only remember how to use a Windows machine, which I'm slowly doing. Stop that. Uh, so let's see here. The first is called um, cadlab.io. So think of it as, um, why did my screen just go black and white? That's weird. All right. Apparently, I have gone to some sort of black and white mode in Windows. Is that possible? Um, anyway, cadlab.io, it is aiming to be the kind of, I guess, the um, Git, GitHub of uh, hardware, so it's a Git version control for Eagle piece, and specifically, it's uh, they're they're gearing it towards Eagle CAD. Uh, whether or not that is really obviously, it is not open source, um, but I uh, I will take the beating for this. But it's pretty cool. It has it's basically uh, just like with GitHub. If you open if you put up a uh, say you're doing 3D designs and um, you upload as part of that 3D file. Uh, depending on the file format, GitHub I know has like a it can uh, let you have like a little 3D view where you can twist the model around and rotate it and whatnot. Well, this is the same idea, but for circuit boards done in EagleCAD, where you have actually some functionality that you can interact with the uh, PCB design in the browser, which is pretty neat. Um, I've put up a, a really basic circuit and uh, and um, played with it. The one cool thing is like you can do like a comparison like between your newer and older version so you can see uh, you know your previous commit to your last commit where, where did things change on the board layout 
So that's pretty cool. Um, again, right now, I think it's Eagle only. I'm not sure if they're going to try to put KiCad in there eventually. Um, but uh, eh, I throw that out. CadLab.io. All right. Next is Partbox.io. Everyone loves input-output. I-O. Everything's .io. Um, so I've been keeping a... Um, uh, Google Sheets, Google, yeah, Google Sheets with all my electronic components and what storage box they're in. So, like an inventory kind of thing. But Parts Box uh, does that and it does more uh, because obviously being a cloud based service and all the whiz bang things you can do behind the scenes, um, like price your bill of materials, look for alternatives if a part goes out of um, end of life. And then you can do. Um, they have the data sheets, the 3D CAD, so things that, you know, I'm basically just keeping. I have this product. I have, you know, I have this 220 ohm. I have, you know, 55 220 ohm resistors, blah, blah, blah. Um, instead of keeping that in a kind of a, a spreadsheet into itself, uh, I'm looking at playing with parts box and seeing if I can do that. Um, um, with more, with, what's the word? Uh, with more whiz bang coolness to it. There is a hobbyist maker um, that's free for one user, 5,000 distinct parts, 1,000 storage locations. Uh, and then it goes up to there to a lab workshop, $39 a month built annually, two users, then unlimited parts and locations. <clears throat> uh, interestingly enough, this here, Looks like they have a tighter integration with KiCad. So again, the wild, wild west. If you're uh, if you're more open source um, oriented, uh, this is a pretty good option, I guess. If you, uh... boom, 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 boom. Anyway, I will put the list up. Uh, there is a seven day free trial and a thirty day money back guarantee. If you want to try it out, if you're looking for. <clears throat> Basically, do if you're if you're trying to get serious and you're making products that maybe you're trying to do it a you know instead of just a one-off project if you're actually looking to make five, 10, 15, 20 things and you need a little bit more parts management you need a little bit more rigor to your um and well this is we're gonna this is all the kind of stuff that I hope to talk about in gears resistance is you know how do you, when you make real products or even prototypes or even things that you just sell like on uh um Tindy or or Etsy or wherever um you're, you you kind of get to the point where you need you need despite how good your memory is you need tools to help you manage and uh I'm again trying out this one so parts box parts box dot io and lastly, there is a podcast I just stumbled along, stumbled upon the other day, and I will be giving them a listen. Um, but since we're recording now, I'd throw it out. It's, uh, I think it's Red Hat Foundation has put together. It's called Command Line Heroes, a new podcast about the people who transform technology from the command lined up. So if that piques your interest, uh, again, I will throw the link out on the show notes it looks like it's on spotify pod apple podcasts 
and I'm sure if whatever other podcatcher you use, it's probably up there because they have an RSS feed as well. So uh, that's it. There's probably about another dozen other stories that I didn't even touch. Uh, got some there's some Arduino projects that people have done that are pretty cool. Some look at uh, the the economy of the cybercrime economy. Uh, some things on um, some more IoT security. And some things about uh, self-driving cars and some tech on it. So, but I hit my 35 minutes where I want to keep these things at around that 30 to 45 minute range. So, uh, I will wrap this all up for the future. Everything that you curious about when it comes to open source hardware, free and open source software, DIY maker, all this kind of stuff. Gearsofresistance.com. That's going to stay active. That'll be the website. And um, again, we'll link off there. YouTube and Twitch for videos. So the YouTube for recorded stuff. Twitch if we do anything live. Uh, Gears of Resistance will have the uh, blogs. And then it will also link off to um, uh, Stitcher. Is what I use. Stitcher, um, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play Podcasts for the uh if you're interested in listening to this and if you're listening to this then you know that because you're listening to this so i don't know how you would be listening to it if you didn't know already and if you're one of those who was hoping to hear back the steam powered podcast like it used to be uh, i apologize it's just not meant to be um like i said every now and then we'll try to throw in some cool science techie things but um I got to do what kind of feels right for me. And uh, this feels a lot more writer than the other stuff I do. And where it was cool, it's fun, but I'm hoping that uh, the making stuff, do it yourself, building building stuff is where my heart is. And that's what we're going to talk about. So um, I guess with that, I've launched it. I'll say it one more time, gearsofresistance.com. Links to everything else will go from there. Uh, this is probably going to be once a month. Once The podcast will be probably once a month. We'll do a couple articles a month, a couple blogs, and then probably one or two videos a month. So until we have figured out, it might be it might become more, it might become, uh, it might you might not hear from me for another nine months. I don't know, but that's the plan, and we're going to try it. And uh, so with that, thank you all very much for once again listening um and uh with that stay quirky keep it steamy and make better always (laughs) 